0: Please remain standing if you would. Sorry. Uh, once again, we changed everything up. But while you're standing, if you would take your Bible and uh, go ahead and turn, if you would, uh, to John chapter number 11. And uh, we're going to remain standing for the reading of the passage this morning that uh, we're going to be studying. John chapter number 11. And uh, we're going to be reading verses 20 through verse 26. John chapter 11, verse 20 through 26. The word of God says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Uh, Once again, Lord, we do thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this particular I am statement that we will be studying this morning. Thank you, Lord, for, again, the resurrection of Christ, which proved everything that he said was indeed true. And Father, I pray that you would guide us into all truth uh, this morning. And I pray, Lord, if there's one here today that has not yet believed on you, that today would be the greatest day of their life. May they place their faith and trust in the risen Savior who lives today. And Lord, for those of us who have, I pray, Lord, you would encourage us in our own faith to continue to trust you as we face difficult things in our own lives. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would be honored and glorified. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
1: Sparrow can't fly.
0: The Lord for His love, and uh, I'm so thankful that He did love us, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. Well, again, as I mentioned, our theme for 2021 here at Cornerstone Baptist Church is looking unto Jesus, and what we have been doing in Sunday morning services has been trying to learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ. And a few weeks ago, we started a little series we called the I Am series, as we've been looking at the uh, seven different I am statements that Jesus made in uh, the book of John. Uh, in chapter 6, we saw that Jesus said that I am the bread of life. And in that, we saw he, the fact that he is the source of all of our life, and he is a sustenance, and he is, uh, also brings true satisfaction to our lives. In uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9 of John, he mentions the other the second I am statement where Jesus said I am the light of the world. And remember this is the only I am statement that he also gave us when he said ye are the light of the world. In chapter 10 there was two of them that we find. We find first that he said I am the door of the sheep and in that we saw that he was the only door. Uh, there is no other door into uh in, into heaven, really, other than Jesus Christ. And, and uh, he is the open door. Uh, it's open for a time, but then one day, eventually, it's going to close. He is the door to the sheep. And then also in chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd, and how he guides us and directs our life. In chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the exclusive way, he's the exclusive truth and the exclusive life, and I realize in our day and age, the word exclusive, we we want to be inclusive of everyone, right? Uh, But Jesus is making a very exclusive statement when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then last Sunday, we studied in chapter 15 when Jesus said, I am the true vine, and uh, we need to be attached to the vine. We need to then abide in the vine, and we also need to allow Uh, God to purge us as well as uh, time goes on. Now this morning we're going to look at the fifth one uh, that we skipped over, and I saved it just for today on Resurrection Sunday when Jesus said, I am uh, the resurrection and the life. Uh, And it is on this day, on Resurrection Sunday, that we remember the fact that Jesus indeed rose again and lives forevermore. But before he rose from the dead himself... He also raised others from the dead as well. And in John chapter 11, this is a beautiful, remarkable account of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And it is in this record that we find that fifth I am statement of Jesus when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And we'll get into that in a few minutes, but but first I want to set the stage and get the context of why Jesus said that. So uh, notice first of all this morning with me, that sadly, Lazarus was dead. If you go back in John chapter 11 to verse number one, the Bible says, now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, Bethany was a a small town that Jesus would often visit during his earthly ministry to get some rest and refreshment. Uh, and there was a family in particular that was extremely special to the Lord Jesus. And uh, who was in that family? Well, it was this family here that's mentioned, Mary, Martha, and their younger brother named Lazarus. And uh, he often would go there, and and uh, he just had a special relationship with these three Uh, different people. Well, Lazarus got uh, sick here in uh, verse number one, it says a certain man was sick named Lazarus. And uh, he was so sick that verse number three says this, therefore his sisters sent unto him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Uh, And then he was so sick that he ended up passing away. He ended up dying. In uh, verse number 14, Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I read about this back in uh, 2015, so this is a good six years ago there. There was a woman in Arkansas who was sitting in her car in a parking lot when she heard a loud bang and then felt a sharp pain in the back of her head. She reached back and felt a warm, sticky substance on the back of her head and realized that she had been shot. Her life flashed in front of her eyes, all the things that she had done and not done, all the people that she was about to leave behind. She was holding her hands behind her head when somebody walked by and said, uh, excuse me, ma'am, are, are you okay? The woman answered, well, no, I've been shot in the head and I'm, I'm holding my brains in. Well, it wasn't actually her brains. You see, it was Dough. A Pillsbury biscuit canister had exploded in the back seat, apparently from the heat, making a loud explosion and shooting the dough into the back of the woman's head. Now, like this woman, at some point, we all have to come to terms with our own mortality and to realize that we also, like Lazarus, will die. And Lazarus had died, and uh, one one thing that uh, I read uh, uh, several years ago, someone once said, "This: you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die." And uh, Lazarus here had did and did indeed pass away. Well, as a result of Lazarus being dead, notice secondly here the sisters were distressed. Uh, there were this was a close knit family, and you could tell that. They didn't always get along just well, but they were the uh, normal family. Uh, and Luke records the one instance when Jesus went to their house and Mary and Martha were there and and uh, Martha was busy serving and, and, uh, and, and Mary was just sitting at the feet of Christ and Martha got a little huffy about it and said, Lord, don't you care that I serve alone? I want you to bid her that, that she help me. And so they had kind of a normal sibling squabbles that, uh, and, and very comforting for me as a parent uh, with the children in our own home uh, that uh, were normal and, and uh, they, are, they were normal as well. But as a result of Lazarus passing away, both of these sisters, both of these ladies were extremely distressed. They were shaken with the news of their brother's death. Notice Martha's response in verse 19. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. They needed to be comforted because of the death of their brother. Uh, Verse 21, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said unto Jesus, and I can just picture Martha, just knowing her personality that we learn from other passages, that uh, as she hears that she's coming, she goes, oh, I need to go talk to him and give him a piece of my mind. He should have been here. If he was here, this wouldn't have happened. And so she kind of gets a little huffy, and, and uh, just because that's her normal personality. And uh, verse 21, then Martha says unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And then she, I think, probably realizes who she's talking to Backs away a little bit from that in uh, verse number 21 or 22. Uh, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. She kind of corrects herself and, and says, I, I probably shouldn't have uh, let that bolt out of my mouth. But it's too late. It did. Uh, so that was Martha. And she was under tremendous distress because her brother had passed away. Then let's look at Mary and her response. Her response in uh, verse number 20. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. She kind of responded the other way and kind of was despondent and uh, just kind of hid out. But then once they do finally connect Jesus and Mary, in, uh, let's see, verse number 31, it says, that The Jews which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily, went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, The same thing that sister said, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. So both Mary and Martha were uh, tremendously overwhelmed with emotion at something like the death of their brother. Some in this room have experienced the death of a loved one in recent days. And uh, you can relate to how Mary and Martha were both feeling. They were distressed. I wonder this this morning, are you distressed about something in your life right now? Is there something going on in your life that is a trial, a difficulty, that... Has been in your life, and you're just kind of wondering how to handle it. Well, this distress ended up causing these two sisters also to be confused. They didn't understand why Jesus was let his friend, the one that they knew he loved, their brother, to die. And both made a statement to that end: "Lord, if Thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Why did You allow this to happen?" Maybe you too are confused why God has allowed something to happen to you in your life that you don't quite understand. And maybe you can relate to Mary and Martha and say, you know, Lord, if you would have done this, it wouldn't have ever happened this way. And we begin to kind of blame God for it. I want to remind us this morning that God doesn't owe us an explanation for what he does. God is God and we're not. God doesn't need to give me an explanation why my mom died at the young age of 44. He doesn't need to explain that to me. Now, He's uh, made it clear why He, uh, some of the reasons why He's allowed that as my life has continued on. But God doesn't owe you an explanation for why whatever happened to you happened to you. Because look, His ways are not our ways, and His thoughts are not our, our thoughts, they're higher than ours. And the Bible also tells us that Jesus doeth all things well. And not just the things that uh, we like in our life, but the things that we don't like as well. God allows those things, and God does all things well in our life. Here in John chapter 11, Jesus does give us a clue, though, as to why he allowed everything to happen the way it did with Lazarus. Uh, Let's look at a couple of these references. Let's look at verse number 6. John chapter 11, verse number six. It says, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So Jesus knew that uh, Lazarus was sick. He could have bolted over there and, and uh, been the hero and, and healed him and, 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 and caused him to not die, but instead he abode there two days. Then verse four The reason he did that, the Bible says, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man might be glorified thereby. He indicated that, look, the reason that uh, he was staying put and allowing this to happen is so that God would get the glory. And most of us who know the end of the story here in John chapter 11 know that God does get the glory in the end. Why does God allow this to happen in your life For that to happen in your life? Same reason, so that he can get the glory, you see. Uh, Look in verse number uh, 15. He said, after Jesus plainly says, no, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. One of the things that God, or one of the reasons God allows certain trials and tribulations and afflictions, suffering in our life, is to cause us to increase in our faith. And that happened here in John chapter 11 as well. Verse number 40, one last reference along these lines. Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, Said not I unto thee, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. And you see when we put our faith in the Lord, God gets the glory. And that was one of the reasons why he allowed this to happen to Mary and Martha and ultimately to Lazarus. So we see that the sisters were distressed, but then thirdly, Jesus declared who he is. You say, well that's not good English. Declared is a past tense, who he is is present tense. Well, I did that on purpose. He declared at that point, that was past tense, he did it in John chapter 11, but who he is because, see, he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, he declares it in John chapter 11, verse number 25, after the conversation with Mar- Martha. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. What a wonderful, powerful statement that is. What does that mean, though? I am the resurrection. Well, what what he was trying to say to Martha is that he was going to raise up Lazarus from the dead. Yes, that's part of it but that he was come to raise us all up, not just from the physical death, but from spiritual death, which we find ourselves in at the moment of our birth. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. Paul referred to this very concept. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You and I, the moment we're born, we're born as sinners. And... Uh, I, I, I might be the chief of the sinners among you this morning. Uh, very likely could be. But all of us, oh, yes, we had physical life, but spiritually we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And when we believe on Christ, he then quickens us or makes us alive or raises us up with new life. Verse 1 of Ephesians 2 says, You hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses, wherein time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, uh, among whom also we had our conversation. In times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, praise the Lord for this thought, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." Praise the Lord for the spiritual resurrection that could take place in your heart this morning if you were to place your faith and trust in Christ. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. So this means, spiritually speaking, we can be resurrected from the spiritual death that all of us have. Then one day, physically, it will take place as well. I mentioned uh, a few in this room I've experienced a loss of a loved one within the last couple months. And uh, this concept that Jesus will one day raise up those who are physically dead is a fact, it's the truth. First Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse 16, listen to this. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and here it is and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That means my mom is going to come bolting out of that grave that she was placed in way back in 1998. That means that uh Pat Tom is going to come bolting out of his grave. Miss Linda, your dad who's going to be buried tomorrow by the way, be praying for The moors and the service tomorrow. Her dad passed away this past Monday, and the service is tomorrow, and tomorrow he's going to be lowered into the grave. But one day, according to this, the dead in Christ shall rise first. They get they get to go first. (laughs) Uh, They get to be the first in line to meet the Lord. Then the Bible says, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You're looking forward to that. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, that's what he's referring to as well. He's referring to the here and now as we uh, realize our our nature is uh, dead in our sins and our trespasses. But when we place our faith in Christ, we are spiritually made alive. But then one day, Jesus is going to literally come back uh, and rapture us out of here. And the first ones that are going to go are those who are the dead in Christ. Uh, They're going to bolt out of their graves. And you and I are going to meet them. And we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. And we're going to ever be with the Lord. I am so much looking forward to that. In this declaration, that's what he means. Then, fourthly, I want us to see as we study this a little bit more, this chapter, Jesus also displayed his nature. Jesus displayed his nature as we read through this particular account of Jesus uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. First of all, I want us to see here that he displayed his love. He displayed his love. Verse number 3. We see his love mentioned, and it was kind of well-known because uh, people alluded to it many times in this particular chapter. Verse number 3, the Bible says, Therefore his sisters sent unto him... Remember, Lazarus was sick, so they wanted Jesus to come and heal him so that he didn't have to die. Verse number 3, Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. They knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. It was so obvious to everyone. It was so evident that Jesus had love for Lazarus. Look at verse number 5. It wasn't just that he loved Lazarus. Verse number 5. Now, this is John here kind of giving some commentary and narration. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It was just so obvious to everyone around that Jesus loved these three individuals. Verse number 33, after Jesus comes, realizes, of course, he knew that, G- that Lazarus had died. Now uh, sees Mary weeping and, and hears her, uh, her frustration. Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, two words, pretty easy memory verse. One of these days we should put that as our church memory verse, right? And then everybody could quote that one. Verse 35, what a powerful two-word verse. Jesus wept. And in doing so, it communicated in verse number 36 something that the Jews noticed, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. See, he lost a friend. He knew what was about to happen. He knew what was about to happen. But his love was displayed and on full display for everybody to see as he walks through that time of difficulty with Mary and Martha. There's absolutely no doubt that he displayed his love here in John chapter 11 when he wept over the death of his friend. And we see it through the shedding of his tears. But later, we see his love displayed through the shedding of not just his tears, but through the shedding of his blood see, there was another way he showed love, and the greatest display of his love was when he was crucified on the old rugged cross just outside of Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha. There he bled and died for you and for me to prove his love for us. Most of us are familiar with the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But he didn't just tell us so. He showed us so on the cross of Calvary. Romans 5 and verse number 8 says this, God commendeth or demonstrated or proved or showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus dying on the cross for us, why did he do that? One of the big reasons was to show you and to show me how much he indeed loves us. John 15, 13, Jesus said this, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And he did lay down his life for you and for me. Someone once said, I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And Jesus said, this much. Then he stretched out his arms and died on the cross. See, he displayed his love for you. He displayed his a love for me, and I want to say to you this morning that Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter how religious you are. This might be the first time you've been to church in a long, long time. Can I say to you, Jesus loves you? It doesn't matter how religious you are. You know, oh, man, I don't really know all this church lingo. That's okay. Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter how big your bank account is, you say, what bank account? <laughs> he loves you too. It doesn't matter what your grades were or are in school, he loves you. It doesn't matter what skin color you have, because look, another song we used to sing when we were uh, little ones, red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in his sight. By the way, that's still true. The ground is level at The cross. He loves us, and he proved it on the cross when he laid down his life for us. So in this chapter, we see his love was displayed, but then we also see his power was on display as well. Pick it up in verse 37, if you would, 37 of John chapter 11. It says, And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind And have caused that even this man should not have died? They said, he's done some other miracles. Why couldn't he heal them? Why couldn't he heal Lazarus from this sickness? Verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. That's King James for he reeks. Uh, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. By the way, in studying for this, I learned back in those days, people believed that this, the human spirit would stay inside the body for the first three days after death, and the fourth day it was gone which is significant why Jesus waited until he was there. He was dead four days. It wasn't just that he was dead. He was really dead, so dead that he, as the Bible says, stinketh. (laughs) Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And do you see the power here in verse 44? And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. The power of God was on full display here as Jesus resurrected a man by the name of Lazarus. Uh, Why did he call Lazarus by name? Because if he did not call Lazarus by name, I believe every uh, saint who had gone before, who was in a grave, would have come forth. Jesus had to make it clear who he wanted to come forth in that moment. Uh, One day he's going to, as we mentioned a little bit ago in uh, 1 Thessalonians, with the voice of the archangel, he's going to descend with a shout. I can't help but think that shout is going to be something like, come forth. And uh, all those who are dead in Christ are going to rise and come forth. He displayed his power. By the way, this isn't the first time that Jesus raised someone from the dead. We know of two other people that he resurrected in his earthly ministry. There could have been more. John said there is so many things that Jesus did that if we were to write them, the world could not contain the amount of volumes of books that would be written about all the things that Jesus did during his earthly ministry, but two uh, more that we know about, so Lazarus. And then in Luke chapter 7, the widow's son, Jesus raised from the dead. Jairus' daughter in Luke chapter number 8, uh, he, or she, was, uh, she was raised from the dead by Jesus as well. Now, while this, in John chapter 11, was an amazing display of power, there's no question. But the greatest display of power was when Jesus was able to rise from the dead himself by his own power only two weeks after John chapter 11 took place. His own resurrection validated everything he said, including the promise here in uh, Uh, Chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, that he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He displayed his power. And that's what we celebrate today on this Resurrection Sunday. The fact that he was able to, uh, didn't have to have someone else raise him up. Because he is God, he conquered what no one else could, death, hell, and the grave. And he did that by his own power. Talk about power, my friend. You think about any superhero you can imagine. Completely pales in comparison to the real power that Jesus has. He displayed his power. Remember Jesus being 100% man, 100% God? Uh, We see his humanity in his death. And we see his deity in his resurrection. Uh, And we see his humanity and how he displayed his love there. And then we see his deity and how he displayed his power in raising Lazarus from the dead. So, in this particular account, we see the fact that he displayed his nature. But, But, fifthly and finally, this morning, I want us to see that Martha decided to believe. Martha decided to believe. If you go back to John 11, verse 25. Jesus said unto her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Can you imagine being Martha in that moment, having the the Lord of glory right there saying these words to you? Can you imagine that? Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. But then he asked this question directly to Martha. Believest thou this? Martha, do you believe what I just told you? Do you believe I am who I say I am? Do you really believe that? Notice verse number 27. What did Martha do? Verse 27 says, She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God which should come into the world. She said, Yes, Lord, I do believe you are who you said you are. I I believe that thou art the Christ. You're, You're the promised one. I believe that you are the only way. I believe that you are the resurrection and that you are the life. Notice she decided to believe before Jesus raised her brother from the dead. Even before Jesus died on the cross and rose again himself, Martha decided and chose to believe before all of that. So you would think then that those who witnessed the powerful resurrection of her brother Lazarus, those who were there and and those who saw that powerful miracle would automatically believe as well, because look, they had proof that Jesus was who he said he was. Because no one can raise people from the dead except for God. Well, many did indeed believe. Let's go over to uh, verse number 44. We'll pick it up in verse 44. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin, Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Well, then many of the Jews, which came to Mary, and had seen the things which Jesus did, guess what they did? They believed on him. Because they saw with their own eyes the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you would think, boy, after seeing that, everyone would automatically believe. But sadly, that's not the case. Look in verse 46. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and had told them what things Jesus had done. So yes, many did believe, but some of them just simply went their way. Even after they saw the miracle with their own eyes, they still chose not to believe on him. We see this over and over again, especially as you go through the book of Acts and you see the apostles and and how they tried to preach the truth of who Jesus was. Some believed and some didn't. Think of one instance. I'll just give you one example. There, uh, when Paul was preaching in Athens, Greece, and he was preaching on Mars Hill after his sermon as he preaches on the resurrection of Christ, here's what happened. Acts 17.32, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. And others said, we'll hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. So some believed, and some just completely mocked. Ah, you're just one of those religious zealots. You're just off your rocker. You just need a whole bunch of crutches uh, to carry you through this life. Not me. Okay, so how do people today react to the news of the resurrection of Christ? The Bible says there are many infallible proofs of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. There was the proof of the empty tomb. Uh, If you can go to a tomb and find the bones of Jesus Christ, let me know, and then I'm going to quit my job. (laughs) But I'm telling you, there's no such thing... All you'll find is an empty tomb with no bones there because Jesus lives today. There was the proof of the empty tomb. There was the proof of the eyewitnesses. Uh, That Jesus appeared to over 500 people who would give uh, honest testimony of the fact that they did indeed see the risen Lord Jesus Christ. The extreme change of the disciples uh, and how they they completely changed after uh, the, they saw the, the risen Lord, and, and they stayed faithful through the end. The existence of the church, the fact that we're here today, all of these form an overwhelming case that proves the resurrection of Jesus Christ really did happen. And since it did, what will you do with that information? And so this morning, I ask you the same question that Jesus asked Martha Believest thou this? Will you personally believe on the one who loved us so much that he was willing to die a horrible death on the cross for our sins and then rise from the dead after three days and three nights? Will you believe that? John eleven twenty seven. 27, Martha said, Yea, Lord, I believe. It's a personal decision. It's not enough, my friend, for your... Uh, parents to believe, for your spouse to believe, for your children to believe. No, no, you have to believe yourself as well. And Martha made that personal choice. Yea, Lord, I believe. I remember when I was saved, I wasn't saved on Easter Sunday, I was saved on Christmas night. The night that we celebrate the fact that Jesus came to this earth to die and rise again. That was the night that I believed. When was the day that you believed? If you can't think of a day or a time in your life when that took place, can I recommend today, Easter Sunday, 2021, where you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? John 1 and verse number 12. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas in Acts 16, what must I do to be saved? You know what their response was? Become a member of a Baptist church, and then you can be saved. No, that wasn't their response. Not quite. Maybe it was, hey, you need to take communion. You need to get baptized. You need to give to the church. You do all these things, and then you can be saved. No, not quite either. Here's what they said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's simple. It's a placing your faith and trust in Christ alone to take you to heaven, to forgive you of your sins, uh, uh, believing that his death and his resurrection is enough to f- get you to heaven, uh, not banking on anything that you can do, but banking only on what he already did. So will you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today, or will you simply go your way? And say, well, that was a nice service. Now where's the Easter eggs? Let's go eat some ham. How many of you are having ham for lunch today? Anybody? Okay, there are some hand, there's some hands up. Some ham hands up. Will you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ or will you simply just go your way? Have you ever heard the name Harry Randall Truman? No, he wasn't a former president. He was actually a homeowner at the foot of Mount St. Helens in Washington State. In 1980, the volcanic mountain was showing signs of a major eruption. Indeed, one expert declared that the chance of a major eruption was virtually 100%. Truman's home was located at the south end of Spirit Lake at the foot of the mountain. He was living in the most likely path of the volcanic flow. He was facing an almost certain death. Governmental officials implored him to leave. Friends told him that his failure to move was tantamount to suicide. Family members begged him to leave lest he die. Well, on May 18, 1980, the massive eruption took place. The lava flowed just as they expected, right in the projected path of Truman's home on may 18th 1980 harry randall truman died he could just not let go of his home even if it met certain death for some of you today this could be your warning perhaps even your last warning you've built your house at the foot of the volcano And the eruption is coming and you're in danger if you don't change, if you don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's coming. Friend, praise the Lord, it's still not too late. One day it will be. But not right now, there's still hope. So, will you believe in Christ today? For those who say, I do remember a time when I uh, placed my faith in Christ. I was saved, I was born again. I stopped trusting myself, I stopped trusting my church, I stopped trusting all my good works, and I started trusting only in Christ. Can I encourage you this morning to keep trusting the Lord as you go through difficult issues and situations that come into our lives? Remember Martha in verse number 37, 39? When Jesus said, take take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Well, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Like, Lord, you can't do this. He's he's way past resurrection time. You, You can't do this. You're not able to handle this one, God. This is a little outside of your wheelhouse. You see, she was willing to believe him for her greatest need, In verse number 27. But she just couldn't trust him to handle the death of her brother in verse 39. She didn't think that he could actually do it. And of course, he completely proved her wrong, big time. Here's how we act sometimes. I believe the Lord can handle providing my eternal salvation, but my health need that I'm going through. That's a little little too much for God. My financial need. Uh, it's a little, uh, yeah, God can't handle that one. Relationship issue going on in my life. I, nope, God can't handle that one either. Can I remind you that God still, in 2021, still specializes in doing the impossible? Okay. Jeremiah 20, 32, 17. Lord God, Jeremiah said, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Martha, yes, it doesn't matter how long he's been. Jesus can raise him from the dead. Eric, it doesn't matter what, how difficult your life issue is right now. God can handle it. God is well capable of handling it. So, here it is, friend. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ for eternal salvation, today is the day. Don't keep putting it off. Don't keep waiting until things change in your life. No, no. Uh, God loves us right where we are and wants us to come to Him right where we are. So come to Him today. And for those of us who have trusted Him, let's continue to put our faith in Him with the trials and difficulties that come into our lives and let's decide to follow the one who lives again. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for the resurrection of Christ, which proved the fact that everything you said was true, including the statement, I am the resurrection and the life. Lord, if there's someone here today that is dead in their sins, Lord, I pray that you would raise them to new life today. I pray, Lord, that they would place their faith in you and believe like Martha did, like many of the Jews did after seeing Lazarus come forth. Lord, I pray that as we have uh, talked a little bit about the fact that you came forth from the grave, Lord, I pray that we would believe. And then, Lord, I pray that you would help us in our own faith to trust you with the different things that come into our lives, to not doubt your abilities, but to believe that you can handle whatever comes into our life. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask Miss. Pat, to play through this song uh, very quietly, and as she does, I want to give you an opportunity right where you are to have a time of prayer. Uh, For those who are here today and you'd say, Pastor, the truth is I'm like Randall Truman. I'm uh, I'm in danger of destruction. I need to believe on Christ, and I'd like some help with that. I would love to help you with that, my friend. That is why we're so glad you're here so that we can help you with the very most important need of your life is getting your eternity settled, having a relationship with God. If that's you today, my wife and I at the end of the service are going to be out in the back. We'll be out over by the egg hunt. Please just come by and and, uh, shake my hand and say, Pastor, I'd like to talk about how I can know for sure that I have a relationship with God. I want to, Believe on Christ. Can you help me with that? I'd love to uh, take the Bible and show you God's words, not my words, God's words, on how to know for sure that you have believed on Christ and that you have begun a relationship with God. I'd love to do that. So today I invite you to come and shake my hand later after the service is over and indicate that, and I'd love to take the Bible either today or sometime later this week and show you how you can know for sure. As she plays, I want to invite everyone to have a time of prayer, thanking God for what he did and perhaps making some decisions regarding the message this morning.